0: Hello and welcome to Contagious Thinking, the podcast from the MRC University of Glasgow Centre for Virus Research. In this episode, Veronica and I talk with Dr. Mike Weeks, a clinical consultant and Wellcome Trust Senior Clinical Fellow at the University of Cambridge. Mike visited the CVR a few weeks ago and gave a wonderful seminar about his lab's work using a technique he helped pioneer called quantitative temporal viromics, which is a kind of proteomics. Listen and find out how they use this method to understand infection by human cytomegalovirus, HCMV, with an overall aim of discovering novel antiviral targets which are required urgently. I'm Connor Bamford, I'm a postdoc in the lab of John McLaughlin, um, working in hepatitis C vi- virology, and, uh, yeah.
1: Okay, I'm Mike Weeks, I've recently started my lab in Cambridge Institute for Medical Research, um, and I work on CMV.
2: I'm Veronica Rezel, and I'm a PhD student in the Elliot Lab, working on bunyaviruses, viruses specifically. <laughs>
0: okay. Um, so maybe you can start by giving us a bit of your background, Mike. Um, Andrew alluded to your fascinating background.
1: (laughs) Yeah so I originally did a degree and PhD at Cambridge and then I decided because I wanted, I became very interested in infection, that I wanted to study medicine with a view to uh, doing both infectious diseases medical specialty and doing infection based research. Um, So I went off to Oxford, studied medicine again from starting from the beginning as an undergraduate um, and then went through various medical jobs specialised in infectious diseases and then Got back into uh, lab based research um, sort of in the late 2000s. um, Started off in Paul Lehner's lab in Cambridge, developed a new way of um, examining cell surface proteins and measuring them between um, cells expressing, say, a viral gene and control, or cells infected with a virus and control. Um, And then went off to Harvard Medical School to uh, Steve Gigge's lab, uh, where I could use the plasma membrane profiling af- approach, but also multiplex it, and also look at whole cell lysates as well as just the cell surface, so that we could then measure a full time course of viral infection as a sort of functional screen in order to identify um, cell surface proteins that are modulated by the virus as a measure of importance. Identify new new um, uh, immune ligands immune receptors, restriction factors. Uh, and also measure the whole time course of viral gene and viral protein expression. Um, So we could start to get insights into how the virus does what it does, which viral proteins are important, and also therapeutic targets, both on the cell surface and within the cell.
2: It sounds like a very um, useful technique in a way that you just just looking at a time course, you get so much data and so much, so much of an idea of everything that's going on in cells. And...
1: You do, and particularly for a virus like CMV that replicates over a relatively long time course, 72 to 96 mm. hours. Um, it, it does different things at different times. Uh, it has at least 170 canonical genes, possibly another 650 from recent studies as well. So it's really got it's a complex virus. Um, and some of the things it does very early in infection uh, uh, exquisitely directed at the immune system and immune avoidance and so we can tell an awful lot about um, novelty just from what the virus does Um, and by adding time as a variable you can sort of distinguish this huge slew of changes into something that's much more manageable and much more identified so that you can work out what's important
2: it makes you put into perspective when you work just on one protein and uh, with one virus and like one protein of the cells and then you're like well there's actually so much going on and so many things that could be affecting what you're looking at
1: true i mean this doesn't this doesn't replace obviously this is an initial screen in many ways from this you then have to either do secondary screens or do bioinformatics in order to work out what you're interested in what's important um and that can be if you're interested in natural killer cells you identify what's likely a candidate natural killer like and follow that but you still have to do the, the biological follow-on um, mm-hmm. but i suppose in many ways this is a useful resource to the community because certainly as part of our publication we put together a spreadsheet where you could type in a, a, a host gene name and if you wanted a viral gene name and you you'd have time course plots of them mm-hmm. so you can actually work out what's happening to any of eight thousand host proteins or most of the viral proteins over time and start to correlate them and it
0: gives you a lot of useful information. Okay, so maybe we can take it back a bit So, why CMV or why is that important? Uh,
1: Okay, so CMV is particularly important. Um, It's one of these uh, herpes viruses that when you have it, you have it lifelong. Um, It generally stays latent um, in that it it exhibits latency in cells, particularly the myeloid lineage, possibly epithelial cells. But it quite frequently reactivates. If your immune system works, then um, your killer T cells will stop it from uh, causing a symptomatic problem. Whereas in people whose immune systems are suppressed, late-stage HIV, and particularly transplant, it can become a huge problem. And in Addenbrooke's hospital, uh, I work intermittently on the infectious diseases wards, we see a lot of people who have uh, transplants, even things called multivisceral transplants, where you transplant a number of organs at the same time, including stomach, pancreas, kidneys, liver, and uh, patients like this can have have to have quite significant, long-lasting immunosuppression, and so can get into quite significant trouble with CMV, need recurrent sources of treatment. We only have about three drugs that can treat it, um, and you can start developing drug resistance, so developing new approaches to either avoid transplanting someone with CMV, eliminating CMV from the transplant, or new monoclonal antibody approaches to treat CMV by, for example, targeting viral proteins present early on the surface of infected cells in order to kill off those infected cells before they release new virus and new avenues into eliminating CMV as a problem.
2: Is it known what triggers the virus to to go from latency to an active form?
1: Not particularly well Mm -hmm. characterised. It can happen, um, uh, it can probably happen very easily, it may happen quite frequently, it may happen Almost continuously in some tissues. No one really knows. Certainly, if um, it, with other intercurrent infections, that may trigger reactivation, but the actual true triggers aren't particularly well understood. So, if you take another virus, herpes simplex virus, there are some relatively well characterized triggers for reactivation, such as, for example, sunlight, even, but um, it, the exact mechanism of CMV reactivation isn't particularly well understood. And obviously, if we could understand that, then um, that would be another therapeutic target but it's difficult because one in a thousand to one in ten thousand monocyte lineage cells are probably latently infected and until very recently we haven't had a way of identifying those uh, latently infected cells so studying the process of reactivation is much more difficult if you can't isolate naturally latently infected cells there are in vitro models but obviously natural latency is the one to go for and some of the cell surface work we've done has identified changes on the cell surface of latently infected cells potentially allowing us to enrich those latently infected cells so we can study them. So your proteomics approach seems to be focused on the cell surface? Uh, Initially yes so um, the cell surface was always traditionally a difficult difficult aspect of proteomics because cell surface proteins are hydrophobic of low abundance compared to other proteins and enriching them always used to be difficult. There's kits to do it but they just don't really work very well and so this new approach that relies on studying cell surface sialylated glycoproteins. You've got a two-step process where you oxidize those sialic acid residues and then you biotinylate them, then you can pull down the cell surface proteins. Seem to work very well. But since then, I've branched out into looking at whole cell proteomics as well, because using that, rather than the, just the subset of 1200 or so cell surface proteins, we can measure 8000 intracellular or including the cell surface proteins, 8000 whole cell proteins. And measure not only the host proteins but the viral proteins as well, and then get sort of correlate the time courses of change in the viral and host proteins. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Sorry. How expensive are these experiments?
1: Uh, so the the equipment is expensive. Mm. So the uh, we use the Orbitrap Fusion um, from Thermo to do these experiments. It costs around eight hundred thousand pounds to mm. buy. And then the tandem mass tag reagents uh, that we use are also fairly expensive too. Um, and there's there's obviously costs in running the, the exp- running the equipment as well. So. Um, the initial outlay uh, certainly is, is quite expensive and you can't really do it without one of these machines
2: mm. and it's it's probably the i mean the actual experiment is not very time consuming it's just after all of the data that you get yeah, and all the
1: true i mean there's a there's a degree certainly it depends on what you're doing so mm. if you're Um, doing a viral time course, you need to grow up a large amount of virus Mm. because you have to go in at high MOI so that all of your cells get infected and then you need to have a very good reproducible culture system so that you can if necessary do biological replicates or ensure that your different conditions which you're processing separately up to the point of peptide labeling are uh, reproducibly handled. Um, um, But um, as you say, yeah, the actual bioinformatic analysis at the end, if you've measured 8,000 proteins over 10 time points, can take up to months depending on what kind of degree of data you're trying to get out. Of so,
2: are most of the people in your lab bioinformaticians? Or no, no, so
1: everyone does a bit of both, really. Mm-hmm. So, um, people will do um, proteomic work. Detailed follow-up of individual targets and some bioinformatics as well. But I suppose as you get to a bigger proteomics group, you may have subspecialisation. So some people specialise more in one or the
0: other. Okay. And so you use this approach to identify one of the targets, the host target down regulation. So can you tell us a bit about that gene? I think it was the MDRP. Yeah,
2: MRP
1: one. So in in this in this um, approach, this is a paper we published in Science in 2013. So what we did was examine the uh, CMV protein UL138, which is known to be important in maintenance or establishment of latency. Um, and because it's a Golgi protein, we thought, well, maybe it's got substrates on the cell surface. Um, and using this plasma membrane profiling approach at the time using SILAC, we compared control cells to cells overexpressing expressing UL138. And we found only a limited number of differences on the cell surface most significantly down-regulated protein um, in your 138 expressing cells was multi-drug resistance protein 1, which is one of these interesting cell surface transporters that exports things like leukotrienes and vincristin from cells. Um, and what we found was that, to cut a long story short, what we could do right at the last most definitive experiment was to take populations of bone marrow stem cells from normal individuals like you or me who have CMV and treat them with one of the MRP1 substrates called vincristin, a cytotoxic drug which would accumulate in these latently infected cells because they don't have the MRP1 transporter on the surface, so they won't export vincristin anymore. And we found that we could selectively eliminate those latently infected cells, so the ability of virus to re- to reactivate from treated populations was abrogated. And so either vincristin, or more probably ultimately a a relative of interest in that's less generally toxic might be a novel treatment to eliminate latently infected cells from
0: populations of, um, of cells intended for transplant. And could this approach be used for other viruses like HIV?
1: Or? Uh, yeah absolutely so um, certainly uh, one of my colleagues has recently published a paper looking at um, uh, looking at HIV, a novel HIV restriction factor in CD4-positive uh, T-cells called SNAP-1, which is uh, another cell surface um, a transporter um, that, does it, that, that appears to play an, an important role in, in HIV viral replication. So there, there's, this approach could really be applied to any virus that has a good in vitro model.
2: How far away are we from... Um... Translating this into uh, like a clinical approach? to, to uh, Good patients. question. So,
1: I mean, the advantage of the tandem mass tags is that because you're not trying to incorporate a metabolic label into your cells, um, you can actually work with primary cells, which are the ultimate cells to go for. And so we're doing a lot of primary cell experiments in my lab at the moment. Um, you can derive primary cells very easily from blood, and then you can do all sorts of different comparisons between uh, different populations between um, primary cells infected with with different viruses for example and the advantage of using primary cells is that as they haven't been cultured extensively in vitro they retain more of their original proteomic or genetic identity and express a wider degree of proteins and so um, some of the original restriction factors for example were particularly identified in primary cells and so they're the ones to go for if you can. Um, but in terms of translating it in, in work into patients, then there's the, the opportunity to study tumours and all sorts of different things. You just have to make sure that you specifically isolate the the tissue from normal tissue, and there, there are some difficulties in that. Okay,
0: so to finishing up, you don't you don't see patients anymore?
1: Uh, no, no. I, so I, I, my my job is mainly research. I'm a welcome senior fellow in. Uh, Cambridge Institute for Medical Research, but I, I also am an infectious diseases consultant on the wards. So I, I spend some time seeing patients on the okay. wards as well. And how do you handle that balance? Um, so it, it works. It works well. It's, I mean, it's, it's very enjoyable doing both jobs, and it's great to have the opportunity to treat patients as well as doing basic research. And the, both uh, sides of the job give you ideas about the other side of the job. And there's then always the opportunity if you. Um, have the opportunity to move studies into doing directly patient-related research. That you, you've obviously got a good uh, base from from which to base that study.
0: And then, to one question we always ask everyone is: if if you weren't a clinician or a scientist, what would you be? Oh, good question. Uh, an astronaut. <laughs> okay. Good answer. <laughs> Thanks very much to Mike for giving us his time and insight into HCMV biology. We wish him all the best in the future and look forward to his next visit to the CVR. Thanks to you for listening to Contagious Thinking, the podcast brought to you from the MRC University of Glasgow Centre for Virus Research.